Our precious Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that uh, you saw it not good that man should be alone. And Father, thank you so much for the wonderful uh, helpers you have provided for us in ministry, our partners, our uh, friends, our uh, our supporters. And Father, we thank you that we can uh, do ministry together and for the privilege of that. We pray that you will use us to be an encouragement today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to keep borrowing your I guess they can't hear me. Okay, guys, I would like you to introduce yourselves. Tell us about your ministry. Tell us about your family. Um, anything that you're a foodie, that you take wonderful selfies, anything that would help us to know. <laughs> uh, Steve Wong and uh, Daisy. Um, I've been pastoring the church that I grew up in for 38 years. Uh, and... Um, and we met in we met in college. It's uh, it's in San Francisco area, uh, and it is it's kind of a unique church in the fact that we're probably ninety eight percent Asian, uh, but everything's in English. So it's one of those kind of uh, niche churches uh, like that. And so um, uh, I'll let you talk about the family. Sure. My favorite, <laughs> talking and family. <laughs> um, we have four grown kids. Um, our first one is 28, and um, she and her husband live in his childhood home about half an or 20 minutes away from us and attend church with us, so that's great. And then our second one, Karina, is here. <laughs> They're right there. <laughs> and um, they moved to Springfield, Illinois in 2021. Um, she and her husband, Jordan. So we miss them, but very happy that they're doing ministry and um, under the great tutelage of uh, Gary Gilly. Um, our third one, Marissa, she's um, a new, a recent college grad. Um, so she moved home with us. It's been a year. It's been a joy to have her home. And then our, we're sending off our last one. Uh, she's 17. So we have four girls. Um, and we're very blessed that they love the Lord and they're serving the Lord. Yeah. Hello, I'm Brady and it's my wife Candy. And uh, we met uh, back in the early 90s or late 80s, late early 90s at Bible School, New Tribes Bible Institute. I think they've changed their names now. But ever since uh, even younger than high school, maybe even grade school, we had interest, both of us separately, of course, had interested in serving the Lord, probably in missions is what we thought God would want us to do. Thank you. Better. And uh, so we have been on a parallel path for before we even met. And then we met at Bible School, both of us interested in going into missions, um, um, married right after Bible school and ended up not going into missions immediately, but being involved in pastoral ministry, first youth pastor, then associate pastor, then a senior pastor. Then finally, we were able to go into missions. So now we're over in uh, South uh, South Africa since 2011 and uh, served there as um, a pastor. Uh, I call myself a missionary pastor. Usually it starts out like a senior pastor and then hopefully moves into a time where we tr transfer the church over to others. And we did that in Johannesburg, and now we're down in Durban uh, working on a Second Church. And uh, Candy has obviously been involved every step of the way, and there's been a lot of family involved, and I'll let her kind of share some of those things. Okay. We have six amazing kids. Um, our oldest is 23. He's married to a Brazilian MK, and they met in South Africa. And they're now living in St. Louis, working and going to school. Our second son, Dylan, is a music major at CFO, College of the Ozarks in Branson. He's uh, about, got about a year and a half. Ashley is 19, just got accepted to College of the Ozarks, and so excited about school. She will be part of our home church, Branson Bible, so we're very happy for her. And then Emma is 17, finishing high school, and she'll be transitioning to college. So I'll be kind of like losing all four. It feels like it once, but it hasn't been. Um, then we have two adopted South African kids, 12 and 7. So we are super blessed. So here's the first. Oh, let me borrow this so they can hear. Okay, the first question for the four of you. Through times of trials in ministry, what did you learn? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll read the notes that I kind of jotted down. Um, 
Well, first of all, I think I learned that it's not my church, it's God's church. And um, I'm a little bit of a control freak. So I always think like, oh, if I could do this better, or if I could do that, oh, I should have done this. Um, it would have been better. You know, it would have had a better turnout, or um, it would have been more, you know, impactful. But it's not my church, it's God's church. Um, so I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to control. I don't have to do the what ifs. I just pray and leave the results to God. Um, another thing is that um, I learned the mentality of not, I have to do this, but I get to do this, right? And I think when I was a new pastor's wife, I thought, oh, I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that. Um, and now I'm thinking, if I want to do it, it's because God told me to do it. And if God didn't tell me to do it, I don't have to do it. And that's okay. And that's going to be the same for every congregant, every pastor's wife, every wife, um, everybody. We have to hear from God what he wants us to do. Um, and also, I think I, I learned how to, um, in tough times of ministry, not to expect people to do things and also not expect them to come to your things. So I run women's ministries and I, I'm of course praying for the women to come because it's such a blessing um, to be together and learn the word together, but that's different than expecting them to come. And I think sometimes they might sense if there's that expectation, it kind of drives a wedge between us. You know, they think like, oh, I don't want to talk to Daisy because she's just going to try to get me to come to things. And that's all. She only cares about me coming to things, you know. And so I've learned to just love them despite whether they attend or not. If they want to know about it, great. If they don't, I don't try to, you know, push them. Um, and finally, um, can't read this. Oh, God will provide helpers um, whom he has appointed that I haven't particularly thought of, right? So sometimes I notice people because they're, you know, doing a certain thing and I think, oh, they would be good at helping me in this capacity or in women's ministry. But God will raise up people the way he will because, again, it's his church. And um, we can't forget the ones who aren't in the front and the ones who aren't, you know, happily extroverted, right? And so God will raise people up and and use them for his glory in ways that I could never imagine. So those are some of the things I've learned in tougher times where there's been maybe a shortage of helpers um, or desire um, just to leave the results to the Lord. On our 15th anniversary, we went to this beautiful little town called Mendocino, uh, just to, just the two of us for an anniversary getaway. But as we were walking uh, in in the wine country, she said, um, honey, we need to talk. And she said, several people in the church are kind of grumbling and thinking of leaving the church. And, and it was one of those type of uh, experiences where you start thinking, well, this is the church I grew up at. I've been pastoring there for 20 years. You know, is it time to go? And, you know, there was this, you, you feel like you're, the rug's been pulled out under your feet. And then, you know, there's this kind of the realization, even though the church might change, the stability is in our family. And, and Daisy's always provided that. Five years ago, you know, we think that, I thought that was the worst of what we would go through. But then we end up going through, we're doing a building project the same time we're getting sued it was one of these biblical counseling versus mental illness type of uh, of uh, issues and you know we wouldn't change a thing that we did because we believe we were biblical but going through the process of a lawsuit was just exasperating and then uh, right about the time i was supposed to uh, an, uh, ask the church for several million dollars for a building upgrade I was more concerned about telling him that three elders are resigning at the same time, you know? And so with, with all of that going on, it was, uh, you know, as unstable as it was at church, home was always peace. I can go home and just know, even, even though, you know, things can be crazy at home, but, but to know that that was going to be a, a place of, uh, of, of solace and, uh, stability. Uh, I, I really credit my wife for, for, for providing or being used by the Lord to provide much of that. There you go. Um, one thing that we learned the past couple of years were very difficult for us. 
about two years ago was probably the height of our battles for our kids' adoptions. We had had them in our home probably the almost eight years. So we were battling for adoptions in a foreign country for nearly eight years. So many people prayed for us, and we are so thankful. Um, but we went through a really rough time. We were in South Africa for the entirety of COVID. We couldn't come back because our kids couldn't leave South Africa. And a couple of our kids were here that we couldn't see. We missed a wedding. Um, there were just a lot of things that got allowed, and they were hard. And finally, we acknowledge to each other that this isn't shocking, right? We're going to struggle. God has promised and told us that he'll be with us, but we would have hard times. And we really clung to the fact that we knew we would struggle, but we knew that God would grow us in the process, not only us, but our children. And we could not protect them from all that. They were in the midst of it. Our kids here said to us, do what you need to do. We want our brother and sister. So it was just such a tremendous example to us that they were willing, they couldn't see us and they were going through different things. We couldn't be here. We're just so thankful that God gave them the strength to endure through that. And they taught me a lot of things. Um, I've learned so many things from my children. I think kind of thinking about those same uh, pattern, um, I think from maybe both of our perspectives, certainly my perspective, I often thought that the goal of trials was to get to the end of them. And uh, so what we've learned most recently, uh, maybe the last five years, was that it probably isn't the right goal to have. And so when you have the uh, perspective that the goal of trials is to get to the end of the trials, then the, what you do is you push harder. Um, because if you would just work a little harder, then you know that would give you a better leverage to get past that trial, especially if it's something that's very difficult for you. And so I think what we learned through this was in this particular situation, the end was not in our timing and not in our control. And just to keep pushing harder, thinking if I can get to the end of this, then things will be okay. And so I can, you know, I can continue to sustain more and more and more and more and more effort uh, because the beautiful goal at the end is to escape the trial. And so I think what we really learned uh, during this time was that that really isn't the goal of trials. Sometimes trials, um, lots of different trials you could use as an example, are, ours is what we're thinking about here, is the goal of trials not to get to the end, uh, but be able to handle that trial. Trust that the Lord has that trial in your life for a specific reason. That reason might continue for a very long time, may continue your whole life, but definitely could continue a very long time. And so then if you could get to that perspective, and that wasn't an easy perspective for us to get to, but if you can get to that perspective that this trial is normal and natural and it's okay that it's continuing and it's okay that we don't have an end for this trial, uh, then you have to change your perspective about what is the purpose or how should I handle myself in this trial. So I think that's what we've really learned through this time is that um, how can we handle trials well today and tomorrow and the next day, it need be very for an extended period of time. And practically, it's not realistic to push harder and harder and harder because you just get, you know, to the point where you, you can't handle that. And so in order to sustain a trial for a long time, you have to have a different perspective. And so I think that's what we learned. I, in my life, I guess I've been really blessed that, you know, you just work a little harder, you get through most trials in life. And then, uh, and that's always worked for me in the past. Uh, and so this was a, a new uh, kind of a experience uh, that I think is an important one for us to learn, was for us. One thing I wanted to add is that, um, and I appreciate it, I don't know if most of you were here for the first session, I appreciate it that Tom Zobris um, said, you know, there were tough years, and I, and he started out with that, right, and saying, I don't want you all to think that, you know, we're sitting here, you know, um, putting on this facade that everything was perfect, it's not. And I think I want to add to that, that sometimes the, the trials of ministry will impact our marriage, and um, that's okay, and I used to think, like, I'm supposed to be happy that 
you know, um, marriage is supposed to make me happy every day. And then I remember the distinct day that God taught me, no, marriage is for sanctification. He's trying to make me holy and not necessarily always happy. And I, I mean, I love him and I'm going to keep him, you know, <laughs> and we're great together. But there are hard days that sometimes, you know, you try not to let the ministry and outside influences impact you, but sometimes it just does. It, it, um, changes your mood or your desire, you know, or I don't know, it affects me emotionally. Um, sometimes you feel like giving up. And a lot of it isn't from within. It's from, you know, all the pressures that you feel um, in ministry. And I think now I know as an older version of myself to know that it's okay to not be happy all days. And that um, as I'm looking forward to sanctification, I can be more holy like the Lord is holy. Thank you, guys. Okay, talking about trials or even in good times, how much do you guys share with your children about what's going on in ministry? <laughs> uh, one of the privilege is having uh, older older daughters who will sit around the table with us. We don't talk too much about it with our 17 year old, but with our, with our 28 year old or with Karina, uh, we can, f- uh, now that, now that they're in ministry and they do a lot of ministry, our, our oldest daughter's a Christian counselor and, uh, uh, Karina has been serving as a, uh, intern pastor's wife. So they're, they're understanding some of the battles of ministry. And so we, we, uh, it, it's great that we are able to talk to them, but it's progressive when they were little, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we didn't want to, on one hand, think that ministry was all sugar-coated and that there was no problems, because that's not realistic, and we don't want them to, to have that shattered later on. But, you know, we also don't want them to, to think that it, it's uh, it's depressing or it's, it's, it's that, you know, so, so it's, it's uh, progressively sharing what they're able to handle, giving a sense of reality, but also letting them know the Lord's in control. This is his church, and it's his ministry. Yeah, I think I would agree that um, when they were little, you know, we didn't say too much. As they were able to handle it, um, we had to be careful to keep confidentiality um, with the prayer requests and the struggles of um, our congregants, um, but also in a realistic way to let them know of some of the um, things to pray for and how maybe they can help. Like, what if there's a couple that we're counseling? Um, we're not going to tell them why we're counseling them, but they're really going through a tough time. Do you think you guys might be able to babysit the kids so that, you know, while we counsel, you know, things like that? where if they know the gravity of certain situations without knowing the details, then they can pray and they can be involved and offer their own um, service um, to the situation. Uh, yeah, I think it depends on the age of your children a lot. Uh, you can't shelter your kids from, you know, knowing that there's something going on because a lot of times it happens at your home or, you know, they're there, it's a church or so they see what's happening. So they're, they're not aware, they're not unaware that there's stuff going on. So I'd agree that we just share, you know, sometimes they need to know uh, enough to um, be able to, kind of what Daisy was talking about, just pray about in general things about them. So that is something that I think we've tried to do. We don't, we don't, we've tried very carefully not to share specific with our kids, both for confidentiality, but also for their from their side. Um, occasionally, you'll run into a ministry family where the kids are maybe in their junior junior high or high school years, but they seem to know everything that's going on in that church, and they generally can't sh- can't handle that. There's a maybe an arrogance about them, or like they're they're in the inner circle and they they, they are somebody because they, their parents are somebody and they know what's going on in people's lives. So we've tried very carefully not to have that kind of attitude with our children, to have them have an attitude that um, they may know more than some other people do, but use that information wisely and before the Lord and to be humble about that and to be praying about that and those type of things. So that's a, that's a balance that you can't, like I said, you can't, you can't shelter them from everything that happens. They're going to know, but if you can maybe get the tone right for them so that they can be gracious and humble and, and really caring about people and have that type of attitude rather than an attitude that they can't, they can't uh, um, maturity-wise handle um, some other things about that, knowing too much. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, like you said, sometimes our kids can help babysit. They can do different things without carrying the burden of 
some serious situations sometimes that are heavy for us, let alone them. So, yeah. I would also add to that, there's sometimes there's situations going on in church and maybe people aren't acting in the most Christ-like way and we definitely don't want to taint our kids because we understand sanctification is a process and we want to be patient and loving with people. And I think sometimes if we give them too much information, that it can embitter them. They, they really, they can think, oh, they're picking on mom and dad. And I think we have to be very wise to to what we're going to share with these kids. So they they love God's church. That's what we want them to do. We want these kids to grow up and love the Lord. I'm not on the panel. Sorry, I just wanted to add that. <laughs> we used to have a rule. We didn't talk in the car driving home. But on those hard days, I'm like, tears in my eyes. I'm like, please just get us home as quick as we can. You know, we're going to talk. We're shutting the door. (laughs) So, okay. Um, I think this question is more geared towards Daisy and Candy. What piece of advice would you give to new wives going into ministry? Okay. Let me find my little notes. (laughs) Okay. So, um, The first thing is be a team player with your husband. Um, Only you can partner with him and know his strengths and his weaknesses and love him through it and help him through it. There's no one else on the planet who can do that. Not his associate pastor. I mean, he's known his associate longer than he's known me. And they shared the same school. They shared the same GPA. (laughs) But um, I cheated off him. <laughs> yeah. And so knowing how to support him. And um, that reminds me of Proverbs 31, 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And that would be my like one of my missions is to um um help him radiate God's glory. Um and only I, I think only I can do that um because he knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses and he knows that I know, but he also knows that I love him through it. Um also be a team player with other women. Um get to know them where they're already serving, um show interest in them, ask them about their lives, um go out with them, babysit their kids, listen to their problems, pray for them, pray with them. Um and then another thing is to be willing to serve in different capacities, especially I think those of you who are in new churches or new church plants or transferring or in small churches, sometimes you feel like you have to do it all. Um, you don't, um, but be willing to step in, um, you know, wherever there's a hole. And sometimes we get asked, you know, um, what if it's not my gifting, right? What if I'm not given the spiritual gift of teaching? And I will admit that I'll be the first one to admit I am not gifted as a teacher. In fact, I don't even think I belong here. <laughs> um, but God will just use you. And that's how gracious our God is, right? He will use us where we are um, with our weaknesses. She's a great teacher. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, and then here's my favorite. Um, don't compare yourself to another pastor's wife. Um, so maybe you've taken, your husband has taken on a new, you know, pastorate or you're the younger uh, on staff. Don't compare yourself. I have a example that I wrote down when we were, um, we were under a, a wonderful man and his wife and they did so much in our community. In fact, he was a church planter and he planted a lot of church churches um, with her help. She was right by his side. Um, I, I don't do that. I don't even can't imagine how to even start planting a church. And I remember um, when it came to women and women's ministry, she said, Daisy, um, Jesus had 12 disciples, so I'm going to concentrate on 12. And she she did that. She, she focused on the 12. And then one day I was thinking, what about everybody else? You know, and then I, I asked her, what about everybody else? We don't have anything for them. And she says, well, I think we should concentrate on the 12. And then I just couldn't get that thought out of my mind. And now I know it's just because God spoke to me differently. Nobody was right. Nobody was wrong. We were just different. And, and, and God spoke to us differently. So I asked her, can we do, you know, like women's teas and women's, you know, um, outreach programs and things like that? And she says, uh, I don't think that's part of my vision. So I said, okay. And then I just waited until she left. (laughs) (laughs) 
I didn't know what else to do in my 20s. And then, um, <laughs> and sure enough, in my 20s, pregnant and all, you know, I was able to start our first um, women's fellowship in our home while I was like, I think eight months pregnant. Um, but it was a great time and God grew that. Um, but it's because I'm different and God gifted me differently with a different vision. Um, and then I think I put down, um, encourage people to talk to your husband directly <laughs> instead of talk through you. And <laughs> I used to think that, oh, I should grab a clipboard on Sundays and <laughs> write down everything because I'm not going to remember everything. And in my 20s, that's what I thought. I just didn't know any better um, because everybody would say, tell your husband this, tell him that, tell him, you know. And so... Through my decades, that was my 20s. In my 30s, I would try to say, oh, can you tell him yourself? And, you know, things like that. And and now I'm just like, no, you do it. <laughs> I agree with that. So many times I have people say to me, you know, we want to change this about the church or this about the church. And I'm like, okay, well, you talk to my husband. Or, you know... Um, yeah, he'll handle that. So that's very helpful for me. Um, another thing that was hugely, I told Patty I'm going to embarrass her. She should take a bow. <laughs> when we first uh, got into ministry, we were young. Um, we were at Branson Bible with Rich and Patty, and they were such a blessing to us. Uh, actually, my mom died when I was 12. I'm a missionary kid from the Amazon, and she died while I was away at boarding school. And so Patty was a, Patty was there for the birth of my children, four kids. Um, just, we looked to them for so many things. They taught us, well, maybe they don't want to claim it, but <laughs> they kind of taught us what we, we might know. Um, and even now I go back sometimes to the basics of parenting and ministry from what I learned in, at Branson Bible. So the mentoring of an older woman is such an important thing. There's just not enough words to describe how important that is. And I was so blessed to have that. And even in our first, um, church where Brady was senior pastor, some of the older ladies would take my babies and such a blessing. So I always focused my attention on my home first and then moved out from there. And that's just something that Patty encouraged me to do. Um, and I'm very thankful for it over the years because my kids are my most important ministry that I have. And they're going to be what? You know, God's going to use them more than he could just use me. So what a blessing. Thank you, Patty. Can I add something to that, please? Uh, um, when when we started off in ministry and I took over for our founding pastor, uh, Daisy went through an incredible amount of expectations of being like the other pastor's wife, which was not fair because she's just not like her. And uh, I mean, they would see the things that the first pastor's wife did and said, oh, well, you're supposed to oversee the women's ministry, the children's ministry, and do all of that, which actually the first pastor's wife didn't do all of those things. But there's just that assumption that they, they do that. So she went under incredible amount of pressure from those expectations. And we we committed that when when we would hire new ones or when my associate got married and then and, and two other pastor's wives that came uh, through us that uh, we wanted to make sure we would tell them, you be you. You be faithful to the Lord, to your husband, to your family, and to the gifts and opportunities that God has given you. And you find your ministry in, you know, when you get used to our church. And so we we wanted to make sure we remove those types of false expectations from uh, the new pastor's wives. Okay, this question is for Steve and for Brady. How can your wife best support you in and your ministry? Sure. Yeah, I think uh, for me, uh, maybe early on as well, the idea is that your partners in ministry, so you're working through everything that's happening, you know, in the church or the ministry together, and that's how you partner. I think as time has gone on, we've changed our philosophy about that. Um, I think it's not necessary for her to 
think through all the things that happened at the church and all the discussions that were had and who said what and what their tone was when they said such and such and such and such a meeting. Uh, so it's not a matter of us not sharing everything, but it's just a matter of there's some things that she doesn't need to carry. Um, and so we've changed that. I think uh, now if she can be um, content and happy and make our home a safe place and that be uh, that's the biggest thing. There are a lot of things that we talk about as far as ministry, things that come up and there are specific things, not everything, but specific things that I need to have her input on or you know, she's involved in. She's the one that knows about it first, those type of things. We, there's a lot of things we do talk about. Uh, but but I think maybe relieving her of being involved in every decision that takes place is, was a big part, uh, a, a positive step for us. Uh, and, and then at home, you know, she has a lot of responsibilities. We have a lot of kids, and she's homeschooling, and she's doing a lot of different things. And if those things don't go well, then then they fall back, you know, probably my direction, or it looks, looks bad uh, as far as my um, ability to minister. It, it diminishes my ability to minister. So whatever she can do as far as um, just being a consistent, dependable, disciplined, you know, there's just kind of boring stuff, like homeschooling the kids well day after day, and there's like 12 years of, of that, or 16, <laughs> 16 years yeah. of that, uh, you know, it piles up. If she was consistent 365 days of the year for a whole child's life, uh, and then you see that in the, that child's uh, life, you know, that is going to be a huge, much, 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 much more of a contribution as far as our joint ministry and our joint um, um, w- what we can contribute and, and offer to to the church. And that's, a, of course, an example to other ladies in the church as well, um, that their home is is super important and their children and what they raise. So I think I think in that you know she's been she's been an unbelievable uh, support in that and that she's carried you know ninety percent of that burden at home of of the day to day things with with the children and, and done a, obviously a f- fantastic job so we just really appreciate that of her. One day Daisy and I were watching television and uh, we were watching PBS just there was nothing else on and there was a show on on ADHD. And uh, and then she she remarked, you know, you have every one of those symptoms. <laughs> and I said, you're right. I mean, even right now, I I uh, just sitting here, I'm, I'm kind of wishing I'm in all five seminars at the same time, you know. And, and my camera allows me to do that, right? And, and and so so one of the things that she does for me is she helps me stay centered, you know. And just knowing that I'm a squirrel, you know, just out there. <laughs> Uh, you know, she, she kind of helps me stay focused and, and centered. Another thing, uh, a conversation we had early on in ministry was don't just focus on the noisy, active ones, but the, also the quiet ones in the congregation, too, because they're going to be your stable ones. And she's right. Right. I mean, the the the. Uh, so for her to be able to help me um, broaden my focus and not just focus on some, but to focus on everybody, uh, that that has been really really helpful. And uh, I had a third one, but I totally forgot what that was. No, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but but it's um, it, it, yeah. She's uh, she's just oh the, the third thing was. Her, her innovation, uh, she has such creativity and innovation about ministry, uh, that, uh, she can see things that need to be done and, 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 and she's right. And so, so I, I, I just, she has a good pulse on things that I can't see. And, uh, and I'm wiser just from listening to her. Maybe just add a little bit of that. Uh, maybe you can't relate to Steve because uh, your roles are maybe changed a little bit as far as personality goes. I was listening to this and I was thinking, you know, we have a kind of a different personality traits between the two of us. I'm, I consider myself like the straight man that, you know, gets the, just keeps the things rolling and she's the color person. So it's a different type of uh, dynamic, but obviously we're still working in ministry together. And so, you know, and maybe you can relate to this, the, uh, the opposite of what Steve is saying. Uh, she plays the, the role of being very uh, related. Yeah, she's the idiot. <laughs> no. 
She's very relational, very attuned to people, <laughs> very aware of those type of things. And so she can, uh, maybe I can provide the center for her while she can provide, as I say, the color for me and that we can, you know, be uh, a full, a full picture that way. So I don't think, I know I went to a, a pastoral class, a pastoral theology class, and there was a the, the guy who taught the class was very much not like me. And I left that class thinking, oh my goodness, I can't be a pastor because I'm not like this person. And the way he presented the class was, this is how pastors are. And I wasn't that person. And so maybe you're, I'm just thinking this, maybe you're thinking, well, the the, the man must be, you know, uh, the energetic and the, the, the bright light and all those type of things and the stability. Uh, and that works very very well, obviously, in ministry, and they've done a great job. But it wouldn't work for us if I tried to play that role as she tried to play this other role. It wouldn't work for us. So maybe you can, you know, relate both ways to that. And so I just really appreciate Candy in the sense that she has really um, just been really aware of what's going on because she's so relational, because she um, just has a love for people and a compassion for people and those type of things. Uh, that works as well. So I just really, I think God knows, and generally he puts people together certain ways. Uh, usually it's about like this. Sometimes it's flipped roles, uh, but that's how God uses it. So, so it's a, it, can be a, it can work each way, and it could be a blessing each way. Okay, this question is going to be for Daisy and for Candy. And Candy, when I wrote this question, I was thinking of you. What are the ways you continue to grow in your personal walk with the Lord during a busy season? And you haven't mentioned it, but you are in school as well as everything else. So when I was thinking of this, this is what I asked. Um, Yeah, that is a great question. I think that it's really important to understand that you have to get rest, that you have to eat well, that you have to take some time for exercise. Of course, my quiet time is first thing in the morning, but my seven-year-old has um, gotten to the point where he shows up around the corner. And I'm like, okay, time to go back to bed, because that's really all I get in the day. And um, I just find it's it's important to balance. Sometimes I really do. I just have to go to bed early because I, I can feel that I'm just tired. And I have to prioritize all those things so that the home runs well. And I am doing school, but I'm doing it very slowly. <laughs> it's taken a lot of years. So I... Um, I feel like it's just a, an important thing to know what you need. Some people don't need the amount of sleep, but we all have to be attentive to what we need. And um, somebody recently told me to create that space for yourself where you get the rest you need. At certain times in your life, you need more. So those are the things that I've found. Um, this might sound counterintuitive, but I remember um, during my busiest times as a young mom of multiple children, um, I felt like, okay, I'm physically feeding them, mushing avocados and bananas, and then I'm like spiritually feeding some of the women. Well, I need feeding myself. And yes, our my husband, pastor, you know, um, provides that pulpit feeding. Um, but I needed to be with women and I needed to hear from them and I needed to learn from them. So I actually plugged myself into a community Bible study. I think it was BSF. Um, and, um, that provided not just the childcare for my children to go to, but also feeding for me. And, um, I didn't have to lead it. I mean, they asked me to lead it. And I was like, no, thank you. And, you know, I just want to learn. Um, so that was a really important time in my life where I started, um, I think plugging into Bible studies and eventually God grew that desire in me where when I became the older women, I was like, I want this for the younger moms because I know how important it was to receive that feeding. Um, and so, I think the part part of the thing is that growing in the season, right? Um, growing in the season with where God has placed you. Like you as a young mom might not and probably will not do all the things you will do as an older mom and, um, and to be okay with that. And I, I would learn to, um, be under the teaching, under someone else's leadership and then just watch how God, you know, raised me up, which is, you know, like I didn't ask for anything and I'm not adequate and I'm, where's my helpers? And, you know, I don't want to do this by myself, but God will strengthen you along the way, um, as you're growing. And so I think the important thing is to just 
be actively serving him a little bit and then uh, medium and then more. And so to watch him work in your life, it's, it's really, truly an act of grace. I agree. And I would add to that, too, that sometimes when we start off, we feel so inadequate and we are always inadequate, but God kind of just graciously grows us as we go along. So now when I have super busy times, sometimes my older daughters just come along and bail me out. And even my 12 year old, she's amazing. Um, and I'm just so thankful that they're kids that are involved in my life and my ministries. Um, that's just such a blessing. Okay, this is going to be for all of you. How do you guard your family time while you're serving in ministry? I think one of the things that is obvious uh, in ministry is that your schedule changes quite a bit, and in the weekend particularly is usually quite busy. Sometimes, Definitely Sunday, but sometimes even Saturday can be busy with ministry-type things. So there might be a feeling uh, of... You know, wanting to be faithful and dependable. And so you think in your mind, well, eight to five during the week, I must be either in the office or focus on the things that these people are paying me for so that I'm a faithful uh, steward of what God has given to me. And I think one of the things that we have to realize is because of the nature of our weekends, that you're going to have to carve out some time during the weekend, feel not feel guilty that you're not, uh, you know, being a good steward of that time or that you owe the church something or the ministry, the people that are supporting you if you're a missionary. Um, but realizing that you have to carve out, you know, a Friday or a Monday, or sometimes it's, it's a couple uh, afternoons or a morning. And sometimes it looks different, so it's very flexible for us. So I think we just try to, uh, you know, talk about what this week looks like, and then chart out what time we're going to take in the middle of the week. And a lot of times it will be a Thursday afternoon or a, you know, a Monday morning, and just be consistent about that because uh, it's unre- it's unrealistic for us to tell people, okay, well, we're not approachable on Friday or we're not approachable on Monday. That just doesn't work. Uh, but if we do talk about it, you know, early enough in the week and then and then stick with what we, we planned with, uh, that, that helps us. One thing that I have found that helps me a lot, because I do have a lot of kids, is I take somebody with me even to the grocery store. And sometimes that's really tiring. And I just, especially a couple of my daughters that are really talkative. <laughs> Where do they get it? I don't know. So anyway, I'm like, okay, I just want to think my own thoughts. I don't want to hear your music. I don't want to talk about that. But God convicts me that, hey, they need, they just need my time. So we'll chat on the way to the grocery store. You know, they chat the whole way through the grocery store and home. And then they're happy, you know. I spent one-on-one time with them or a date to take them out to, you know, to eat, to get a milkshake. Um, even Max, who's seven, loves that. Just that special time with mom. And Brady does the same. So that, it's just an idea of something that helps us. Office hours can sometimes be restraining. And, uh, and it's helpful to determine whether your staff is hardworking versus lazy, because a, a lazy person will take advantage of loose office hours. But what, when I know that my staff is really hardworking and committed, I tell them, don't worry about the office hours. Just get your stuff done. It's important for you to be at your kids' Little League games, because that's ministry too. For you to coach, that's even better. Or or for you to, you know, i got to be a band dad for Karina and, and a you know, a, a softball dad for her, her sister, and you know, and the and the times that we would have just driving in the school were were precious. And so to 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 know that in ministry we do have some flexibility. Don't get so locked in that it it can shove your kids out. Those those are the opportunities we can use for our kids. Uh, one of the joys was, you know, I mean, we public schooled our kids, but we 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 were there every week volunteering with those teachers, and we got to be a witness to every one of those teachers uh, to share the gospel with them. And, um, and, you know, I would take, uh, I, w- I would take my day off and just devote it to, to volunteering at their school. And so, so to be able to have that type of flexibility and realize that's also ministry, um, you know, we don't have to get so locked in to the clock. I think it's also important to let your kids know and don't assume that they know this. You have to say out the obvious words. Um, I am there for you when you need me, right? And I, 
I will drop things when you need me to, but also help teach them how to navigate what that means because it doesn't mean that every single time I don't want to go to church. Oh, okay. You know, that's not what it means. Right. Um, or I, I don't want to, you know, have people in my house. I, I don't want to share my toys and oh, okay. You know, that's not what it means. It means that we're going to learn together. We're, or it's safe to compromise, um, without compromising God's glory. Right. So sometimes we're going to compromise our family time because we want to glorify God through this one situation or through this regular situation that's happening. And then other times it's okay to tell the church. And I think the panelists before us um, very wisely said this um, to sacrifice the church at some times. And sometimes we have to sacrifice our, our children and our family time and to let them see that that is not all one or the other that, um, and it shouldn't be in any profession, right. Um, and especially in ministry that um, we have the flexibility with our husband's schedules to, I appreciated the times when I was like, I can't pick up the kids today. I'm doing this. And it must, and what I was doing doesn't have to be ministry. It's just that I couldn't pick up the kids and he was flexible to go pick up the kids for me. Um, and then there were other times that, okay, we have to get someone to watch our kids because we're both needed to do this ministry. So I think just giving the kids a healthy dose of reality in ministry that it's, it's all not one way. Um, and then uh, one of my favorites was to involve my kids in ministry. So kind of like a disguise, like, ooh, let's bake cookies together. And then you get to have that time. My daughter here, Karina, she loved baking. And I loved it when um, she would say, oh, mom, your, um, your uh, prayer group ladies, they're coming, right? And she'd like, you know, just go bake a whole bunch of cookies and they go, here you are. You know, and so it's just what a blessing to, to allow our kids to shine in the way that God has gifted them. So this one loved to bake. I had one who loved to babysit. So whenever we had kids in, you know, in our home, she would love to babysit. Um, I had some who loved to do music, you know, so just realize where their strengths are and then involve them in the ministry so that they can see, oh, they can serve God even when they're little, you know, um, that we don't have to be grown up and we don't have to be perfect. God can just meet us where we are. Um, and then here's a fun one. You're going to like scratch your head and wonder why I'm saying this. Invest in an L-shaped or U-shaped couch. Yeah, so, um, so if you don't know what that is, it's because, uh, like, you know, we have enough kids. We don't have as many, but with four kids and the two of us, we just wanted everybody out in that U-shaped or L-shaped couch in the living room and no expectations. We didn't have to break into deep conversation. Tell me the worst part of your day and how did God pick you up from that mistake? And, you know, it's not, it's, you know, it's not that sometimes it was that. And most of the time it was just that we hung out together. And so um, create a space. If you don't have space for an L-shaped or U-shaped couch, just create some kind of space where they know that this is where we can hang out together. And we don't have to always talk. Sometimes we watch movies. Sometimes we brought dessert to the L-shaped couch to eat together. But it was just like a safe place for them to let down their hair and talk to us. Yeah. Um, I love that idea of bringing your kids into ministry with you because our kids have grown up in ministry, like probably many of yours. And uh, it's funny, my sons are very musical and they would come to the, I love orphan ministry, and I'm really involved in that way. And they would come, of course, they didn't do any of the gross stuff, right? But the girls can get right in there, and they just love on those kids. And I've seen it make a massive difference in their hearts and love for other people. And now they have come to the U.S., and they're the ones looking for the people who are not comfortable because they know exactly what that feels like. They're seeking out the people that are alone, that are not talking to somebody. They're sitting by them. They know what that's like, and that's from being alongside in ministry and being that person that feels not at at home. And I love to see that in, in my kids, and it's because of the opportunities that God has given us. Okay, this is going to be for Daisy and Candy again. Many times our husbands are called away to unexpected ministry calls. Women, how do you guard your heart from becoming bitter? (laughs) 
I have no notes. <laughs> it's because she has a memory and I don't have a memory. <laughs> so I remember as a young wife, um, barely married a few years. Oh, no, we were married like a few years and we just had our first daughter. And I remember having this romanticized, you know, version of, oh, she's going to, you know, open her Christmas gift and we're going to take pictures and then we're going to capture her, you know, excitement, you know, on, on film. Uh, back then it was film, right? <laughs> and then, um, ring, somebody needs him, you know, somebody needs him on Thanksgiving Day, on Christmas Day, you know, um, and I used to be so bitter and I, and I really, had to pray, pray that to the Lord and, and ask for his help because I was thinking, really, church family, you can't wait like, you know, one day. But no, because sometimes the person who's needing counsel, they're telling him, I'm really lonely today. You all have families. You all have kids who are opening presents. I don't have anybody. This is a reminder that I'm alone. And um, he needed to minister to that person. So early on, I learned, um, I, in fact, I made a vow to the Lord. And you know what happens when we make vows to the Lord. We better keep it, right? I vowed that um, he is God's servant first, and I have to let him do as God tells him to do. Um, and don't don't get in the way. So, um, that helped me to kind of set that perspective early on because I was thinking, what if I was the cause of someone's suicide? You know, it was something serious to me that I thought, well, the person on the other end of the line was suicidal. And if I had said, honey, you are supposed to be here with me watching our kid open her gift. Um, what if, you know, and so that really, um, I think just forced me to have this perspective that let him do what God calls him to do and don't get in his way. Cause I don't know. I don't know God's plans. Um, and be content with, um, the time that he does have with us. And like I think we all mentioned, um, our husbands are flexible sometimes in their time schedule. They're not necessarily like nine to five. And when I need him, he's there. And when the kids needs, you know, really do need him, he's there. Yeah, and I agree with that because um, in our family, I have great confidence in Brady's wisdom and stability, and I feel like if he prioritizes something, then I better prioritize it because it's important. So I just have confidence that if he needs to go somewhere, I need to support that. Men, so you know who you are. <laughs> what are the gifts that your wives bring to the ministry that you serve in? I think you maybe already picked up kind of the personalities. Maybe you know us. And, uh, so maybe you've already picked up some of these things that are there. But Candy's obviously very relational. Uh, Candy uh, impacts uh, or has a relationship with people's hearts within a very short amount of time. Um, the way that I interact with people is over a period of time. And then there's a, you know, there's a bonding that takes place over studying Joel together, <laughs> whatever my Zeph and I, or whatever it might be. And I'll have this relationship with somebody for six months and we've been, you know, built it up slowly over time and she'll come in and she'll meet him for two seconds and she's got this uh, really good relationship with them. There's a heart-heart connection. And uh, so uh, she brings that to our ministry that she can make our ministry, uh, you know, warm. It can be relational. It can be heartfelt. We do, she does a lot of hospitality, a lot of baking for people, having people in her home, just giving things to people. Um, it's just very rare that she'll make a contact with somebody and not have that relational connection with them. Uh, and that helps us as a family, obviously. That helps us to interact with people and to minister to people uh, in a valuable way. Um, obviously, people need to hear God's word and be able to, you know, understand how God's word applies to their life uh, as well. So those things go hand in hand. But a lot of times, um, the relationship that you build with people opens their hearts to hear what you have to say on other things as well. And so I think she opens a lot of doors for me and ministry, but also for our whole family to relate to 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 other people and. And that, so that's been, you know, a huge um, a blessing to us. Um, so also, I found that if I can can pl play a good stabilizing role, and I can and I can take that off of her, then that frees her up to to not worry about that, and then that allows her to be free to do the things that God has given her to do. And so, um, 
if, if I'm too busy or distracted or crumbling or whatever, then she has to take that on and she's not free to be the person that God made her to be. So it's very important for me to, uh, you know, provide that for her at, at the base. And then uh, I used an illustration once of figure skaters. If I can be a good base as a figure skater, then she can be, uh, you know, play the role that God uh, gave her to be. And, you know, when you watch figure skating, you're always watching the person up there. And if, if I'm not stable, then she can't play that role that God has given her to, to play. So, uh, that's just how God has gifted us together. Um, spiritual gift speaking, because she's talented musically and uh, athletically and all these different types of things. But uh, but in terms of spiritual gifts, one of the spiritual gifts she has is mercy. Uh, you know, when we walk in that bridge, we saw these bugs attracted to the light. And so when there's somebody hurting, she's just like that a bug that goes to somebody who's hurting and, uh, and she just rushes over to them. She's created ministries, uh, to parents of special needs, to, uh, divorcees, to, um, those who were infertile. And, you know, she's, she's done a lot of these types of things. In fact, our church has been somewhat known in the community. We're not the cool church, but we're the church that has compassion for those with special needs. You know, it's just, you know, and then, and then, you know, so we're, we're, we're grateful. A lot of it is just because of her, her heart, uh, and her heart of mercy. I, I have kind of that mercy heart. It's a little bit different. Hers is more patient than mine. <laughs> but, uh, but, but her, her mercy is, uh, really cares and, and that has been such a help to our church. Secondly is her administration. She is, she is an amazing administrator. Uh, she's just doing charts and all these types of things. You know, I mean, I just wing it, you know, that's my personality. So, but she, she has all of these plans and, uh, and, and she's brought great, great structure. Also too, I, I believe, uh, women can have the gift of pastor teacher. Uh, you know, and she, I believe she has that as well. She has a heart in terms of leading uh, the women and, uh, and she, she does that in, in an amazing way as I think a, a, a pastor teacher to the women of our church. And so, uh, so I think those are uh, the, the gifts that really stand out for me. I was going to say, too, as I was thinking about this, sometimes we think as pastor's wives, our jobs have to be defined. We have to say, I do this, I do that. But I know a lot of times, I've talked to a lot of pastor's wives, and I've talked to their husbands, and sometimes just being able to relate and women talking to you, you can let your husband know what's going on in a home. And he may not have that access because it might take six months to build that relationship with the guy. But we have the availability to just befriend people. We can love on them and we can help our husbands to know, you know what, maybe we need to set an appointment and talk with this couple. Something's going on. And it, it's not to burden our husbands, but as a shepherd, we can help them. We can help them to shepherd those sheep that God has allowed us to have a relationship with. Okay, this is a question that I have received. Any tips of bringing your young children around different ministries that make it difficult to help serve in while I chase my kids? (laughs) I think I wasn't 100% clear on this, but um, hopefully this helps. Um, I think, so being Chinese, Chinese American, it's within our culture to not ask for help because if you can believe it or not, that's a sign of weakness. That's what I was taught as a child. Don't ask for help. Just do everything yourself. Even if I'm grieving, even if I'm hurt, don't ask for help. Just put a happy smile, you know, on my face and muster through. But in real life, that's not the case, right? Doesn't God want us to go to him and ask him for help, right? And doesn't God want to know our deepest, you know, pains and he wants to be there to comfort us. So I think I just had to learn to ask for help. So as a mom, as a pastor's wife, ask for help. That's that's one of the things. And ask trusted people, you know, there's going to be people who unfortunately, you know, maybe they're not helping you for the right reasons or um, so try to, you know, be discerning and ask the Lord for the names and faces that he will bring you to come alongside you that you can trust. Um, And then I think just practical things like assigning older siblings to help little siblings and then doing kind of like a a share. I forgot what you call this, like a 
co-op, a co-op kind of way of sharing um, things with another family so that you don't have to always do it all. So um, if you're chasing kids, then they can be teaching your other kids. If they're teaching, then you chase, you know, and so you don't have to be teaching and chasing, right? You share the burden. That's a good point. And also at different seasons, we can minister to different people. So when I had babies, I was obviously in the nursery. I got to talk to young moms. I got to do things with young moms. We were going through life together. And then as the kids got older, those opportunities change. We work more with youth. You know, it just depends what phase of life you're in. But if you are involved with that group, I think that helps a lot too. And now we've gone all the way back to seven. So now we're in like every phase. <laughs> As you talked about how ministry changes through the seasons, when Daisy went through the season of breast cancer, that was our most evangelistic season that we've probably ever seen in our life. Uh, and so it's just amazing what those different challenges will bring. This is the last question I have. And... I'm going to to say what I think it says. I hope it's a correct interpretation. How do you do ministry when you feel drained and like you have nothing left to give? <laughs> I think uh, you know you've just built up a, um, a, a discipline. Uh, and sometimes you just through discipline are able to continue uh, to be faithful and do what you know is the next right thing. And we've done a lot of next right things in our lives. And that happens a lot of times. Uh, I think at that point in time, you need to be careful and realize that you do need to find a break and you do need to find a rest. And so if that rest is not today, and sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't happen, but you, you, you must have it on your radar that, you know, in the next day or two or three, as soon as I have an opportunity, I have to take that break. Um, and if that break is not today, then today I just do the next right thing. And so I think we've done a lot of that in our life. And I'm sure each of you have done that as well. How can you do that? I think that's just built on a discipline of lifestyle in the sense that you are, you're trying to live your life the same way, regardless of how you feel. So sometimes your feelings are with you and that's wonderful. And sometimes your feelings are not with you. And then you're, it's just as important to be faithful in those times. And God can use those surprisingly, you know, sometimes those times he'll use something and you don't feel like you, you manage that as well as you should have, but you were just faithful to do the next thing. And then that God did use that. So I think that's an encouragement feedback that we sometimes get when we, when we just keep pushing through things, but, but you can't just keep pushing through forever. You have to find that break as soon as you possibly can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of times, almost every day, where I just tell the Lord, I got nothing. And uh, and I'm just going to have to learn that your grace is sufficient and your strength will be perfected in my weakness. Uh, also, to, to call on those times of doubt, which is believing and unbelieving at the same time, to say, I believe, help now my unbelief. And, uh, and so, just to... Okay, Lord, I'm going to do what I'm called to do, what, what I've been trained to do, even though I'm not always feeling up to it, but I'm going to, I'm going to just give whatever I have to you and let you use, uh, let you use my, my lack of, of, of perfection or, or goodness. Um, I'd like to introduce you to one of my best friends, the Google Calendar. <laughs> so, um, Steve says I love charts. I do and all kinds of, you know, things like that. So if you can get yourself some kind of calendar system where you're seeing the amount of time that is spent in ministry and then seeing the amount of time that you have a family vacation, I'm a visual learner and that helps me. So I color code everything like, you know, blue and red and you know and then family time is a different color and candy, candy uh, does this as well <laughs> oh good <laughs> good and it's not just me <laughs> and so i think if you can just visually see um are we giving enough time for the kids um that that helps me um and w i just had this conversation with one of y'all i don't remember who and we were saying how sometimes when
when we go on a trip and we know that there's people from our church or friends in ministry who live there, but we purpose to not tell them (laughs) (laughs) until after. And I tell them, honey, don't, you can take pictures, but don't post them on Facebook. (laughs) And that is for the, for the purpose of um, guarding our family time. So not all family vacations have to turn into ministry and we have to go visit this person and, you know, and so forth and share a meal with this person. Um, Sometimes we just want to be with us just by ourselves and that's okay. And and not everyone has to know that we're there. And then you'll have to feel the questions of, oh, how come you didn't tell me you were here? You know, and you just have to come up with funny answers. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I appreciate Daisy because she, she plans her family trips because she realizes when I plan trips, it always has to do with either IFCA or a missions trip. And because we always have to have it centered around that. And so I really appreciate her saying, we're going to do our own thing. So that's good. Um, another thing that I was thinking as everybody was talking is that once in a while, one of my kids will just be exhausted and maybe two. And I'll have to just sometimes take a step back and prioritize them in their rest. And at first I felt like that was super unspiritual and that it was bad for them, bad for bad example. And then I realized they're just people, you know, I'm just a person. Sometimes I'm exhausted and sometimes maybe they're coming down with something. I don't know. But once in a while, I'll just take a step back with them and let them get a little extra rest. And that's okay. I guess I'll just add this. Um, I just, it's fun to listen to Steve and Daisy because I just can see how they can work so well together. And then we look at our, our relationship and God has really gifted us to work well together too. But it's so, so different because when we, um, go say on a vacation, then, then the color person comes in and she makes little packets for everybody and it's exciting and we're going to do this fun thing and all these fun things. And, and I'm like, okay, this is where we're going to stay the night. And this, so we have a completely different roles. Uh, but yeah, God uses that in such the same way. And so I just think that God can, it's, he has a, maybe he has a sense of humor when he puts us together, but he, he knows that the goal has to be this complete picture. And so it's just, it's great to see how God can use uh, each person in the marriage in that way. It's kind of funny too, as uh, Brady said that, I, I think like every day we might think we don't work well together, <laughs> you know, and because there's those frustrations because we're so different. But then when we look back and we kind of take a, a forest view of the thing, they say, oh, you know, God knew what he was doing. And so uh, sometimes in the day to day, seeing the trees it can be frustrating, but take a look at the forest every once in a while. God's good. Brady, can you close this with pressure? Our Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that you are our God and that you, we are your people. We know that we've been made in your image. Uh, we know that uh, that has been marred by sin, but we can see uh, so many beautiful things of you uh, in who you've made. And so we just thank you that obviously is your grace as we hopefully mature and those um, perfections are seen more clearly in us. Those won't obviously be seen to any extent uh, before we're with you, but we can see how you, who you are, and we can even have an expression of what kind God you are. And so it helps us, I think, to to be uh, around different people, see different people, uh, experience different people that love you and want to serve you, but maybe do it in a different way. And, and we can just praise you. We just want to just give you the honor and glory. We just thank you for each person that's here today. I'm sure they're thinking about their own ministries and their own things that they're going through and and, uh, seeing if there's any uh, comparisons to uh, things that we maybe be talking about and and many, 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 many years of experience here. And so we just thank you for how we can be an encouragement to one another uh, while we're here at the IFCA convention, maybe just having meals together. Uh, But we just want to give you the glory for what you're doing in each of our lives. Pray that we would continue to grow, that we would uh, be more and more beautiful as we get closer and closer to you. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.